So we are finishing up our series, God Is. Oh, McKenna, would you click on the first slide on my thing there? Awesome, thank you. All right, so we are, um, like I said, night four um, of, our, of our series here, God Is. Tonight we're looking at God Is Set Apart. Uh, I, I'm a youth pastor, so I am by no means wealthy, okay? Like, I, don't, I didn't get into this job for the money. Um, I'm, I'm a youth pastor. Uh, I was never meant to just be wealthy, and I'm okay with that. But back in August, for about three and a half, four and a half hours, I felt wealthy anyways. Uh, I live like someone at least more wealthy than, than I am. And so Doug and I went to a conference in upstate New York, a Messianic Jewish conference. And on the way back, we, had a, we flew out of a tiny, tiny airport. Not much bigger than this room. It was very small. Like they checked everybody, everybody's bag that came through got flagged for something bad. It was crazy. So, but then we had a, a layover in Philly. And we had a long flight from Philly to Dallas. So I surprised Doug by upgrading our tickets to first class from, from Philly to Dallas. It wasn't crazy because it was getting closer to time. They wanted those seats to be filled. And so I got a pretty good price for these first class seats. And so I figured we'd get on the plane, maybe have some more leg room or something, and then call it good. We were on American Airlines. And so uh, we get on the plane. This is, I took because I'm a nerd. It's not going to work. Uh-oh. It's not working. I have a picture there. It's supposed to be my picture. Hold on, I don't even know why this is not going to work. Otherwise, nothing's going to work. Um, and so we get on the plane. We're the first ones to get on because we, we have the uh, first class seats that so were special or something like that. So we get on, and while we're getting on, like we have um, the, the, the flight attendant is there, and she's like taking our, our drink orders and like, bringing us these snacks, like, while everybody else is trying to get on the plane. Like, she is inconveniencing everybody else, because, of course, first class is at the front of the plane, so everybody has to walk and squeeze past her, but she doesn't care. She's taking care of the first class people. I like the window. Doug likes the aisle. There's two seats. It worked out. Had a nice little, we had a couple, like, two different places, like little coasters and places to put our drinks. I had a nice tablet holder. I can watch my iPad. It was, it was pretty nice. And then, so I thought, again, I'm just going to get some more leg room, get on first, that kind of thing. And then they later brought over this warm, <coughs> this warm towel. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, clean my hands up, whatever. And then they brought me my dinner. I had a braised beef short rib with shrimp scampi and other. Was it good? It was really good. Maybe not the, the shrimp was okay, but the beef was, for airplane food, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was, yeah. And it was nice. We had Pretty cool stuff. Had some good food. Um, but one thing I liked about it is, you know, because you had us in first class and you had all the peasants behind us in coach or whatever. And whenever she snapped that little curtain too, I, I was like, yes, I'm in first class. Always wanted to get up here, but I now finally made it. Never mind the fact that I'm in the last row of first class. And if I just leaned back my seat, I could like touch the people behind me and coach, right? It's not that big a deal. I thought it was cool. I thought it was fun. But uh, like I said, we got pretty good food. Um, they brought us some raspberry uh, sorbet with fresh raspberries for the dessert. It was, 
It was nice. And they gave us all kinds of drinks, whatever we wanted. Um, it was supposed to be three and a half hours. It took four and a half because it's American Airlines. And they can't get anywhere on time. And so it, it was nice to feel like someone special for just a little bit, even if I had to pay to feel like someone special. Now, I want to tell you a story uh, about someone else who feels that special, like at, like at all times, like that's their entire life. This girl, her name is Abigail. She grew up wealthy in California. She didn't really know she was rich when she was a kid, but she was definitely rich. Her child at home was so big that the kids would ring her doorbell twice on Halloween, like the front door and then the back door. They thought it was two different houses. It was a pretty big house, so she grew up pretty wealthy. Her dad owned a private jet with a queen-size bed and a shower. Uh, she lived a first-class life, and it wasn't ever going to run out because Abigail's last name is Disney. So her dad, Roy Disney, whose father was also named Roy Disney, was brothers with Walt, and together her grandfather and Walt created Disney. So her family lived a comfortable but not extravagant life until around the time she went to college when never Disney stock kind of just skyrocketed. And this comfortable life that she had turned into her father owning like a huge private 737, really big, massive airplane. So Abigail sees this moment. You can watch all kinds of interviews with her online. As fundamentally changing her father. She said this, Having a jet is a really big deal. If I were the queen of the world, I would pass a law against private jets because they enable you to get around a certain reality. You don't have to go through an airport terminal. You don't have to interact. You don't have to be patient. You don't have to be uncomfortable. These are the things that remind us that we're human. It's fundamental to remember that you are just a member of the human race like everybody else. There's nothing about your money that makes you better than anyone else. If you don't know that and you have money, it's a road to hell, no matter how much stuff you have around you. This is what Abigail Disney said. And Roy Disney, he was set apart because of his wealth, and his daughter says that when she felt like her dad lost his way in life is when all this money kind of happened. So because he had money, he thought he was exempt from just basic decency to other human beings. And he felt the world needed to bend to his will and his way due to the size of his checkbook. You know, when humans... When we try to be set apart, it can have disastrous consequences. Because we're, we're not equipped to be above. But God is different from us. The word the Bible uses to describe this difference is the word holy, which speaks to God's righteousness and his perfection. The word holy just means other or set apart. Other or set apart. And when we look at God's holiness... Most of us kind of feel inferior or intimidated, which that's a natural reaction to God's holiness. We feel unworthy. But is this, is this how we should react? I want you guys to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to see a story of someone who was caught up into heaven and had this view of this presence of God. I want you to get this and understand. When people have an experience, an encounter, and they see God face to face in heaven through a vision, they don't write like heaven is real books about it, okay? That's they this is they 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 don't write about the grandmother they saw, they write about God and his holiness. That's what you see in scripture. So Isaiah six, 
So we're looking at a guy named Isaiah and how he reacted to an experience that showed him that God is set apart and, and see what we can learn about that. So we learned about the book of Isaiah back in week one. Um, today we're going to kind of rewind. We were at the towards like in, in 56. So we're going to rewind it a little bit. We're going to say the passage in which God called Isaiah to become a prophet. And so in this calling narrative, we discovered one of the most stirring pictures of God's otherness in all the Bible. So Isaiah comes face to face with just how set apart God actually is. So look at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then the word of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. Send me. All right, so within your group, I want you to discuss this question. What does this passage tell us about the holiness of God? What does this passage tell us about the holiness of God? All right, so this passage, it begins as Isaiah stepped into the presence of God, right? And from the instant that Isaiah saw God sitting on the throne, he was just, he was taken aback, Right? God's glory filled the temple, and then angels began singing of God's holiness. And as they sang, the walls of the temple shook, and then the temple filled with smoke. It's kind of reminiscent when the first temple was built by King Solomon. They dedicated the temple, and the Shekinah glory of God filled the temple. It looked like the same kind of smoke presence. So try to put yourself in Isaiah's shoes here, right? He gets his vision, he's caught up into heaven, and he sees God there in the throne room. Imagine this room begins to fill with smoke. The walls kind of begin to start shaking. These angels that look creepy with six wings and stuff just flying around, they begin to sing. This was truly an awesome moment. But probably a pretty terrifying one, right? Because like the wall, like you're in your house and the walls start shaking, it's not like the most joyous of times, right? It demonstrated without a doubt that God is other. That God is not like us. You and I, we cannot cause walls to shake just on our own or angels to sing. He is more extraordinary than we could ever imagine. And the word that the angels used to describe this extraordinary otherness was holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy is an interesting word. We often think of it in regards to, to purity or 
sinlessness. But the word holy is so much more. Holiness, it speaks to God's glory. It speaks to God's righteousness. It speaks to God's power. And this amazing word, it reminds us that God is different than you and I. And so when Isaiah saw how different God is, Isaiah had the response that probably, hopefully, most of us would have. He said, woe is me. What he's saying, basically, he's like, Isaiah is completely <coughs> aware of his sinfulness and his shortcomings. He knows how unrighteous he is standing before a righteous God. All it took was just seeing the majesty, the perfection, the glory of God. And Isaiah got the full picture of who he was. He was not fit to encounter, really, a holy God. Right? I mean, think about it. He, this man is, is a sinner, cannot be in the presence of a holy God, and so he was not fit to be there. But here he was. And so, in your group, another question for you guys. Why do you think Isaiah reacted the way he did in this passage? Why do you think he reacted the way he did, and how do you think you would have reacted? So talk about that there in your groups. I apologize. So we know, well, hopefully you know, fire, it's a purification tool, right? Nature has long used forest fires to kind of restart an area of woods or field. Ranchers even create controlled burns where they intentionally light fires to promote healing and growth. Like, this is a real thing, right? And so as far as long as humans have been making metal tools, we've been melting them down with fire to remove any kind of impurities. If you ladies have, like, or guys, if you have, I guess you're probably gross, but, like, gold jewelry, silver jewelry, you use fire to kind of take out those impurities. So, you know, like, we know fire purifies water so you can drink it. By boiling water over a fire, you get out of the impurities so you can safely drink it. When you're camping, fire, it's, it's a pretty important tool because it, it purifies. If you have a blister on your foot from hiking or if you get a splinter, before you can perform, perform first aid, you, if you have like a needle, you can sterilize the needle by fire. You know, nowadays, of course, we have like antibacterial hand gel or wipes, that kind of stuff. But if you want it done without a shadow of a doubt, you use fire. So like I said, you can just eat, do this easily by lighting a match, holding a needle in the flame because fire kills anything that might be harmful or, or cease growth. So why would God put a hot coal to Isaiah's lips? And it happened because the fire of this coal is a great picture of how he purifies us. Like I said, fire purifies in real life. So when the angel put, on, put fire on Isaiah's lips in this passage, it symbolized that God was making Isaiah's lips clean instead of unclean. To put it another way, God is making Isaiah holy like God is holy. Remember, he's about to become a prophet. Patrick was saying this in his group. He's going to be a prophet. A prophet speaks the words of God, right? He was purifying him for what he was being called to do. And this made all the difference for Isaiah. And the angel touched the coal to Isaiah's lips, something changed. At this moment, God cleansed Isaiah's uncleanness. And God imparted his holiness to Isaiah. And God has used his otherness to make Isaiah more like God himself. And this moment shows us that, that God is different so he can make a difference. 
He does not want His holiness to intimidate or make us feel in fear. He does not want us to walk around saying, you just, woe is me, all the time, because we're not going to get anything done if that's all we're focused on. He said He wants His holiness to show us that we need to change, and He wants to use His righteousness to make us righteous. So I want to make sure you guys get this before you leave. God wants to use His righteousness to make us righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If that does not light something inside of your belly, I'm sorry for you. I'm going to pray for you. For our sake, for our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. We become the righteousness of God. Are you guys getting this? You look like you're dead. I don't know. Maybe. That's what happened to Isaiah. Before the cold touches us, he was saying, what was me? Back in this moment, Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Let's get to business. We got this. Let's go. The difference God had just made and would continue to make in Isaiah's life caused Isaiah to volunteer to join God's mission. So let's think of that for a moment. What is, what's, what, what is God's mission? God is different so he can make a difference, right? And as God makes a difference in our lives, he calls us and he sends us to make a difference in the world. And as we reflect God's otherness and God's holiness of the world, the people around us will recognize that they need to change. They're going to have their own kind of woe is me moments. And as they do, God will make a difference in their lives as well. I'm going to kind of talk about this next Sunday morning when I get to preach. That's me. I, you guys don't skip church next Sunday morning. But it's not enough for us to have, like some woe is me moments. God does not want us to wallow in our, in our uncleanness. And he doesn't want us to spend our lives lamenting about how unclean we are. He wants these woe is me moments to inspire us to change and to look more like his son. When we say God is other or God is holy, we can't just stop there because God is different so he can make a difference. So we should let his holiness change us. We should join him in changing our world. Going back to that story of Abigail Disney, she decided that she would use her money and her privilege to make a difference. Instead of setting herself apart on private jets, so she's been giving away millions of dollars in the past 30 years, even more money than she actually inherited from her father. She became a documentary film producer, shedding light on social justice issues from lesser-known areas of the world. She created a nonprofit organization that encourages and empowers international peacemakers. Abigail could have used her money on herself, on her comfort. Instead, she used it to support others and to make a difference. So like Abigail, you and I, we have a choice to make. We can hide behind our woe is me moments, or we can step out and say, send me. God makes a difference in our lives that we can make a difference in the world. And what will you say when you come into the presence of our holy God? Will you stop at woe is me and just cry? Will you follow Isaiah and so many others try to become more like him and to do what he has called us to do. Here he's calling Isaiah to be a prophet. What is God calling you 
to do. Yes, you may be in seventh grade and you have no clue what God is calling you to do. That's fine, but you know he's calling you to make disciples, right? Yeah, that Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. That's what he's calling each and every one of us to do. But you won't believe the difference God can and will make in and through you when you volunteer. Right? I have some volunteers in here. Does God make a difference in your life by volunteering? I talked to, to uh, Megan um, Smiley, who volunteered with, with uh, D-Now last weekend. She says she learned more that last weekend than probably the girls did. That's what happens when you volunteer, when you serve. When you step out of your comfort zone and do things for other people. God can and he will use that stuff. So let us all follow the God who is other. And let us participate with him because God is different. So we can make a difference. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the chance again just to dig into your word and to see that you are you're holy, you're other, you're set apart. God, may we not just stop at woe is me and look at our, our sinful lives. God, may we actually take that next step and just be obedient to what you're calling us to do. We may not know our full future plans, what you have for us, God, but we do know that you're calling us to go and make disciples. And may we actually get off our butts and go do that. May we find ways to reach people. May we find ways to point people towards you with our words and our actions. God, may we just go out to the world and, and strive to make a difference for your kingdom. Just name I pray. Amen. 701, I'm sorry I went late, guys. Thank you. Good deal. That's good. You're good. You can go. That's fine. Get up, move, be loud, whatever.